Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stonewall, Mississippi. Tom's here with me. Good morning. And today we have two special guests. We have Miss Doreen Mootsy and her son, Tyler. So they were gracious enough to spend some time on a Monday morning with us. And Tom told me not to talk about the weather. We're not supposed to mention a date. It's wet. It's wet. The sun is out. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. pollen in the air. And I say that because we don't know when we're going to actually release this episode. Depends on what happens with the crop and if we have some other information that we need to get out to you really quick. So uh, we're recording this and then hopefully going to record some other episodes that are similar. So, Tom, why don't you take a second? and tell folks, I know you did on the one that w- we dropped in the past couple of days. Right, that was with the you conversation I, but just between. Give, just if, if people hadn't listened to that one, just give us a refresher on what your intentions are. It's pretty simple. Through some things that occurred in the fall and some conversations with some people, I've, I definitely felt that we needed to have conversation with some young folks that had left the farm and decided that maybe farming wasn't for them, and then they decided more or less spur of the moment and some of the conversations I've had with people that, hey, I think I want to farm. I think I want to move back to the farm. And y'all know we're pretty passionate about agriculture down here in Stoneville. Most of us that work for Mississippi State either grew up on a farm or have some ties to farm. And we all do not have that situation myself. Definitely being that, that one person, right? I'm the one exception to that rule. But that's something I think that I wanted to at least cover in some podcast episodes and see how they went. So we really felt starting with with Tyler and Doreen would be a a pretty interesting episode. Tyler, how many planes are flying over Nebraska right now? Uh, Nebraska, 200,000. (laughs) (laughs) I really have no idea. I don't know, (laughs) 1,500? I have no, no idea. I just wanted to see what he would say. I was thinking like Tom, like 2,500 maybe. Honestly, I have no idea. I just know... There'd be a lot right there in the center part of the country. Since those are flat, that's basically categorized as a quote unquote flyover well, state. Don't alienate the Nebraskans. I'm that not may be alienating the Nebraskans. I'm just giving the general gist of what it's referred to in the, in the media. What are we talking about? Commercial airplanes, crop dusters. I mean, it seems like there, there might be a lot of. I did say airplanes. You said planes. There's going to be a lot of planes. I think we've had a breakdown in Jason's quiz for I wasn't the morning. Clear. I wasn't clear. Doreen and Tyler, I'm just going to give it to y'all, and y'all tell us, you know, who you are, where you're from, and then we'll interject some questions as you go along. Well, I'm originally from the Northeast, uh, just southwest of. I Boston. didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't didn't, notice had at no all. idea. <laughs> I've lived in Mississippi Delta since uh, 1988. Michael, my husband, farmed on his own starting in '85, and then I uh, we farmed a partnership in '91. So, and then I've been in the ag media or PR uh, for ag since since '91. Uh, How did you make your way from the Northeast to the Mississippi Delta? Well, I came uh, on exchange program for college, and then um, uh, met a farmer and didn't know that they don't move. <laughs> They're not little, a terribly tied to the land. profession. That's yeah, right. no. I thought, you know, we have, you know, hay and apples and pumpkins in Massachusetts, but apparently um not the same as rice cotton and corn and soybeans. So nah, a little bit different. So I'm still here. <laughs> so you, you came on an exchange program to Delta State. Mm-hmm, uh, from so Westfield State College. Okay. Doreen and I know each other 
outside of work, run into each other in Cleveland, and definitely have some ties to that part of the country. I have family from up there, too, so it's usually good conversations. Your family's from New Hampshire? I have some family from New Hampshire, and then I also have some family from Massachusetts and a good bit of family from Pennsylvania, so I kind of have some big ties to the northeastern United States. I've never heard you refer to the Massachusetts well, but my, my great-grandfather and his family emigrated to the United States from Germany at the end of the 1880s, if I'm not mistaken, and that would be a stretch. He and his brothers were butchers and meat packers in Massachusetts, and that would have been probably somewhere around Worcester. So we even had family property up there that, that was sold not too terribly long ago before my grandmother passed. Okay. Yeah, I just heard you refer to New Hampshire. I'd never heard the. Oh yeah, I've I've got ties to Boston and everything else. That's you know little little known fact about Tom. And he Uh, pronounced Worcester right, so I know he's telling the truth. That's right. Yeah, family property around Sterling. There are very few people that know where that is. (laughs) Me included. (laughs) Fascinating Monday tidbits. I apologize for my lack of knowledge of Massachusetts geography. It's it's okay, Doreen. You and Michael have been farming together for 30 years now. Yep. 30 plus. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little, about the, a little bit about the farm? and Right now, corn and soybeans. Uh, we've had cotton over the years, had wheat, had rice, uh, really just depending on what the markets are. We're really geared up more for the grains than cotton, but um, we've had a little bit of everything over the years. And that's in Bolivar County? Uh, so we have Bolivar. We live in Sunflower County, and the farm's in Bolivar and Sunflower County. I did not know y'all were... In, in Sunflower County. I don't guess I ever really thought about it. Where the county line was. Yeah, we're pretty close to the county line. So okay. we're, we're with Washington, Ball, yeah. and Sunflower right there together. straddle the county line. Never occurred to me to You can actually that. find the county line up there. It's basically where the blacktop stops and it hits a gravel road. That's pretty much the county line. Not, not an uncommon phenomenon. <laughs> not in this state. No, it's not. <laughs> or surrounding states. True. Tyler's sitting over there anxious to say something. Tyler, I think you're the one that Tom most had in mind that he wanted to to hear your ideas on how you growing up on a farm and then you know moving away from the farm and now you're back why don't you give our listeners just an idea of the process that you went through to to get to where you are today growing up we weren't pushed to farm if we didn't want to you know we weren't pushed to do anything outside of whatever extracurricular activities we were doing in high school or junior high, whatever it may be. You know, I did work on the farm in the summers, whether it's laying poly pipe or doing odds and ends, things like that, nothing nothing crazy, and, and I wasn't given a whole lot of responsibility. But uh, I also lifeguarded. I worked in restaurants, so I was doing a lot of different things. And uh, I graduated from high school when I went to college, and I went to Jackson for a couple of years. And so I was gone, and then a couple of years later I came back, and I – went to Delta State for two. And when I came back, I stayed in the restaurant business and I still helped on the farm some at that point. I was working, you know, like a eight to two in the afternoon on the farm for my dad. And then I'd go turn around and go take a shower and I'd go to go to work at the restaurant at three and work there till, you know, 11, one o'clock in the morning, just depending on what kind of night it was. And I kept doing that, but I think I always knew I would come back eventually, but I didn't know if that meant you know, my twenties or my forties, you know, right. just depending on at some point, one of us is three as, as one out of three brothers in a family farm, somebody had to eventually come back and do something. And I don't think in, in, in my head, it would ever be let go 
you know, or sold or rented out, you know, somebody would take, take control of, you know, over, over, over a period of time. And I was definitely the one that was most involved growing up. But like I said, I, you know, we weren't pushed to do anything. And at that point I wasn't given a whole lot of responsibility to uh, take the reins on anything. You know, I was just a, a helper uh, in, right. in a sense. So are you the oldest brother? Yes. Okay. I kept pursuing the restaurant industry. Uh, re- industry. I was a manager at a restaurant in uh, Rural for about a year. At that point, I had gotten married and we had decided that, you know, the night jobs just weren't really working. I needed to find something else, you know, something, something eight to five. But in that same scheme, scheme still with my dad, I hadn't taken on enough responsibility to feel like that transition was, was, was right at the time. I was still just a helper. And at that point, you know, it just didn't, I, it didn't seem like he needed my help. You know, full time, he had full time employees. I was just kind of kind of the guy that was helping on the side when I could. So I went and found a eight to five job. I worked at Surpro uh, as a marketer and ran odds and end jobs there for uh, two years. It was getting to the point where I enjoyed what I was doing, but I was, it was getting kind of monotonous and it was getting to where I just day to day, I wasn't excited to go to work every day like I'd kind of had been in the, in, the, in the beginning. And it just so happened that right at that time that I was kind of beginning to get kind of lackadaisical, we had a farm employee pass away that had been working with my dad for 15 plus years. At that point, you know, we had the conversation, me and my my wife did was, you know, maybe it's time for me to come back. He's he's missing a person. You know, I can fill that void. Going to work at Surpro had given me work ethic, I guess you would say, and tools I was going to need because I did it on my own that I hadn't gotten help from my dad before because I wasn't forced to do anything that I need, you know, that, that required any responsibility that I could be fired the next day if I didn't do something right. And so I'd learned those tools. I mean, my wife decided that it was time for me to maybe step in and help. So uh, I talked to my dad and I did come back and I helped that first year and I, I was really enjoying it. I started to take control of things and, and I was going from somebody that handed the tools to somebody else, to somebody that was handed the tools. It just so happened that later in that year, my great-grandmother had some land, a little bit of land in Cleveland, and that renter retired. And so I was offered to farm it. And so, you know, that 70 acres that year went to 150 acres the next. And two years later, I'm at 300 acres and, and it's hopefully still growing, but it's a whole different scenario, you know, at that point. It's a career now. You know, whereas before it was just something that I helped do and I, and I didn't know if that was going to be something that I wanted to do or that I continued to doing. I mean, in, in high school and in college, I was in the sports and that's what I wanted to do. And it just didn't, you know, that didn't pan out the way I expected it to. It just kind of come came around full circle there. And, and you know, I feel like I knew I was always going to come back, but I didn't know when. And things just kind of played out the way that they did. And, and that's that's how everything happened. And I think that's similar to Tom and I have have communicated and then stories you know from other people just a unique combination of circumstances and opportunity get on the same track exactly and here you are so you're in your third this will be my fourth year fourth year mm-hmm. and your operation is growing so you and your dad still farming together and then you have some yes on your yes own i too. still farm with my dad at tkt and then i also farm uh, Mootsie Farms, which is which is mine. Like I said, it's a small small operation. It's right. we farm it all together, uh, just two different names. You're enjoying that. I do. I get an extreme sense of fulfillment. Is that something you think you're going to continue to enjoy? I mean, into the future that because it's 
it sounds like you didn't want to do that initially. I think part of that was because we weren't pushed to do it. We weren't forced to learn any, any tricks of the trade. You know, we weren't, I didn't, couldn't have told you what we sprayed, when we sprayed, how we sprayed in high school. It wasn't taught a bunch of, a lot of those things. You know, we, we weren't asked to do that. Dad, dad took control. He had his guys, you know, we were there to you know, chop some pigweed in the, in the middle of the field when we had to just walk it because it was too tall and, and the beans were too tall to spray or lay poly pipe, you know, just the odds and ends jobs that just needed to be done that really just needed some, some hard labor, not skilled labor. It didn't come until later when I decided to come back that I started to really learn. You know, I, I watched the two guys that had been there a long, long time. And so I, when I decided to come back, I told myself that I would watch, I'd pay attention. I would keep, you know, I, I would learn every day the best I could. I'd make sure that I was paying attention to what everybody was doing so that I would know how to do those things the next day. It's a feeling of accomplishment I wouldn't expect him to feel. Because of the way we grew up and because we were given the opportunity to do whatever we wanted to do, we weren't asked to fix anything. And it's like my dad has told me since I started back. One day we were working on an engine motor, I think, and uh, I said, well, how are we supposed to put this back together? And he said, well, didn't you take it apart? To me, that's it's kind of stuck with me as far as, you know, you don't know how to do something unless you've done it. And that's kind of part of how I've learned. And, and, and then the other side of things is listening to him and then giving the opportunity to form my own. It's throwing a whole another curveball on the situation as in, you know, I'm not just learning how to operate equipment and things like that, but I'm learning when do I want to market my crop? When is the best time to spray? All these different things. I mean, it's a challenge. And, and to me, it's rewarding because it is day-to-day -day so unknown on what tomorrow is going to look like or the next day. I mean, we could get two inches of rain tonight unexpectedly, and that throws a whole chink in my plans for, you know, potentially the next two weeks or, or more. I just had a situation with corn where I was backed into a corner trying to figure out what to do, what to do, what to do, and play it out to where I didn't plant nearly as much as I planned on planting. But that's to me, that's the that's kind of the daily struggle of, of farming is you don't know what you're going to do until it's until you do it. I think you don't give yourself enough credit, Tyler, talking about your experiences growing up on the farm. Because, I mean, my experiences are identical. I did the same thing because I was in school and then I'd come home in the summer and everybody already had a job, you know. So I was just filling in and chopping weeds and moving pipe and water and whatever else. But me being older than you, what I can tell you is when you look back on it as you get older, you'll remember that. And a lot of the things that you've done in the years since then all started when you were doing stuff on the farm and you didn't realize that you were actually, one, contributing, but then, two, developing some skills that were going to serve you later on in life. Yes, at that age... You don't realize you're learning things until now you look, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, you look back and realize it. It didn't seem like you were learning anything at the time because you were just felt like just manual labor to you, but you did take some something out of it. Doreen, I'd be interested to hear Tyler's reference to a couple times that, you know, he and his brothers weren't encouraged to participate in the farm. Obviously, the opportunity was there, but it wasn't an expectation. I'd be curious to know the conversations that you and Michael had, if it's any of our business, what made y'all decide to approach raising your boys like that? So I think um, actually a couple things. One, um, we're, I think we're a bit of an anomaly in the South because I'm not from here. So 
you hear all the time about you know, young children on tractors and you know it, I got the first tractor at nine. Well, being from the city, that kind of scared me. <laughs> so they weren't allowed to touch, ride, drive. They were allowed to ride with Michael, but they weren't or but they were not allowed to touch or drive any equipment until they had a driver's license. I didn't even let them drive the lawnmower when they were little. <laughs> so I think a lot of that is just growing up in a you know in a city and not you know that's heavy machinery to me. So that changed some of it. So the kids that were like just on there all the time, instead they were at basketball games or playing baseball or playing soccer. Or, you know they were we just they found other things to to use that time. So they didn't have time anyway. Even if they would wanted to, I don't know that they would have had the time to to have that on you know farm kind of driving experience. The um, the other thing I think is because we understood the risk in farming. In some ways, you don't want to put your kids into something that, you know, if you lose it, you lose everything. And so there was that kind of like, well, there's more certainty in in a weekly paycheck. And so his degree, like he, he was in athletic management. So we were like, just see what what's interest you. Do that, you know, and then and then it's your call, whatever you want to do. But I just never, we never, neither of us ever felt that that choosing their career was something that was that we should do. They just we wanted them to do what made them happy and not not ever have the feeling that they were responsible for something that they had no in, involvement in bringing to life to begin with. My mom didn't listen to this podcast. Obviously, my dad might listen and, and relay it to her. But, you know, I don't think my mom, she never discouraged me from being involved with the farm, but she certainly encouraged other things. And, and then once I found out there was agronomy and then weed science, I was done. I never had any other interest anyway. But once I found out that you could participate in agriculture in, a, in another track, that was all I needed. I always felt like my mom didn't want me to do it, but she never said it. It was always, well, hey, look at, look at all these shiny things over here. Well, and I, I should say I was raised fairly similar to Tyler. I really wasn't pushed in one direction. And, and I think that, you know, I have my parents to thank for that. And I don't recall my, either my mother or father saying, you know, you really should get a degree in business and go do whatever. They really wanted to foster that self-decision and what you really liked so that you would or be urged or move in that direction. But I, I have heard my mother say that, boy, we really wish your brother and you had gone into business and you could have worked with your dad. I'm kind of thinking, I don't know that we would have gotten along. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wouldn't have gone over as well, maybe, as what that looks, at least in the back of your mind. So I think that's it's nice to hear somebody say that, too, about raising their kids, because I think that's important. Well, I think that's, too, what Tyler has uh, makes him a little different than than his brothers. That uh, He may look more like me, but he's, he's much more personality-wise, more like his father. And the other two are probably more personality-wise like me. So they, they g-hive very well on the working together on the farm, I think more so than maybe his, maybe his brothers would. <laughs> well, and I think that retrospectively gives you something a little bit more to really feel about. And that's, I think, in a lot of cases how most people in their farming stories or stories from their farm or how they got into agriculture, it's something that they felt, they enjoyed it, or they looked back and realized, hey, maybe this is the right time to do that and that door has opened at this point and with that door opening then another one obviously closed and walking through this one's important right now so I think that's important to see that sometimes happen at least from a standpoint of being able to talk about it. Well and the two employees he was discussing Robert and Dan uh, they predated me so they were actually involved in the farm before I even met Michael so they were with the farm you know prior to to 88 so They'd been around a long time, and so we'd always had 
you know, those, the same people. So there was, there was that continuity and that th there wasn't a need to force the kids to do something because we had, um, we had people well, you know, they had, they had it well in hand. So when they were gone, it really did, and now we've lost both of them. So it really did make a big difference that he was able to step in and fill those shoes. I think that coming about the doors too, I mean, I think that pretty much that probably could have summed up the entire conversation we just had was, is that, you know, I eventually knew I would probably out of the three, three siblings be the one that came back, but it was just a matter of eventually a door is going to open. I didn't know if it would be sooner or much later, but it did. And that's where we ended up. So you're living where you grew up now. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of your friends have similar experiences. What do you think you'd tell a guy that's your age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, that's possibly encountering the same opportunity. What do you tell those guys? From my experience, I would say definitely take it. With that being said, it's obviously a challenge and it's not easy. These days, you know, I farm with my dad, obviously, but you know, the main, the other goal of my operation is that I want to grow as well and us grow together. So his farm can grow while my farm grows and eventually they just kind of become one in a sense down on down the road to where their operation is even bigger than what it, what it started with. You know, I think that's the goal of what any child would have for their parents' business was, is to make it better, come into it and can turn around and make it bigger, make it better, you know, make it something that's, that's the blossoms to, you know, something maybe they didn't even realize it could get to. You want to make your parents proud, obviously, you want your mother, your father, you know, you want to, to be a contributor to to benefit, you know, to show your worth, to to push that opportunity as far as you can you can push it. But it's it's a challenge, especially for uh, I would say for smaller farmers. Obviously, we're not tiny. I mean, we farm about together somewhere around 22, 20, 2300 acres. But and I know there's lots of people that farm three or four hundred, and that's it. But there's also a lot of people around us that farm six, seven, eight thousand acres, and it's it's difficult when you're not that big to continue to grow. And that's a huge challenge. I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge that we have is, you know, even if we want to grow, you're talking about, you know, if I could get 30 acres next year, more than what I've got, that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's, that would be an accomplishment. And so it's definitely something that you, you, that I would push to pursue, given the opportunity, just, but obviously knowing that, you know, going forward, it's a challenge and it's a challenge you have to kind of go for, go, go towards every day and figure out a way to solve it. We absolutely positively appreciate having the time to spend with you all and you all being willing to come down here and talk about that. I think that's important right now for young folks to understand that sometimes the the calling to come back to the farm is, is definitely an overwhelming call. And I, I certainly know I have plenty of friends that feel that way. So I think it's nice for somebody to sit down and have that conversation that hey, I went out, got an education and really felt called to come back to that farm. And, and help the family out and, and take over the reins. And, and also to hear Tyler say that, you know, it's not easy. And, and I try to tell my children that most easy things in life really aren't very worthwhile. And that's, there's a lot to that. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your day and driving down to Stoneville and spending a few minutes with us. And for sure, if we can do anything to, to help you all on the farm, be more than happy to do that and then for our listeners we hope y'all enjoy this episode and please give us some feedback if you do like it and we have some other folks in mind or tom have some other folks in mind that we'd like to do a similar episode with so uh, in the meantime obviously if we can do anything for you uh, please just give us a call we're happy to help however we can 
The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.